Quentin Tarantino once called Alan Dean Foster the king of movie novelizations, and it's a fair description. Most famously, Foster wrote the first ever Star Wars novel, a novelization of the original film, which was released much earlier than the big screen version in November 1976. Later, Foster would novelize other important science fiction movies, including Alien and its first two sequels, Star Trek The Motion Picture, Outland, The Thing, and Starman. While novelizations are often thought of as one of the most low-brow forms of writing, Foster elevated the genre with his strong SF background and ability to expand upon scripts with additional detail. However, Foster has done far more in his long career than merely rework scripts into books. He has a very extensive catalogue of SF works under his belt, most notably in his Humanx Commonwealth universe, which centres on an alliance between humans and the intelligent insectoid species the Thranx. Midworld, published in 1975, is a superb standalone novel in this setting, albeit one which doesn't feature the Thranx. Instead, it's set on a nameless, verdant and hostile jungle planet, which is home to the descendants of humans left stranded by a starship crash many decades earlier. In the book, Foster tells an enthralling story within a brilliantly realised and convincing setting. This is an SF novel which will particularly appeal to those who enjoy stories rooted in biology and ecology, and it was a very clear influence on James Cameron's mega-hit movie Avatar. Stick around to the end to get more information on this intriguing connection. In the meantime, this review covers what makes Midworld so special, and such a good entry point into Foster's body of work. Midworld is essentially an SF adventure novel, albeit one which progresses in some surprising and fascinating ways. The setting is a nameless planet, later referred to simply as Midworld, which is covered with a vast jungle which reaches a height of around 750 metres. To say that Midworld teems with life is an understatement. In this complex and brutal ecosystem, every possible ecological niche is exploited to its fullest extent. The planet is populated by an incalculable number of diverse species. In addition to the vast trees, there are countless other forms of plant and animal life, all rigorously adapted to the savage conditions and all thoroughly alien. The opening of the story introduces Bourne, a young hunter who's part of a tribe of humans who have long since adapted to the planet after their ancestors crash-landed there around 200 years earlier. Bourne's people have little in the way of technology, but have learned to live in a precarious balance with the jungle and its countless threats. For example, their village is based within a tree which has a means to recognise them and permit them entry past its own deadly defences. In another example of symbiosis, all of Bourne's people have a lifelong link with another at least semi-intelligent species. Furcots are a kind of large, green, three-eyed hexapod which can speak English, or Taranglo as it's known in Foster's future history. They are fearsome fighters and adept trackers, with their own mysterious ways which they tend to keep hidden from Bourne's people. Clearly, Midworld needs an inciting incident to disturb the tenuous balance of the situation. Early on, Bourne and his furcot, Rumahum, discover that another human craft has crashed on their world. The pair rescue two humans from being killed by a vicious flying predator and escort them to the village within the home tree. Kimmy Logan and Jan Kahoma are two members of an illegal mission to exploit the natural resources of Midworld. As Bourne learns later, their distant facility is heavily protected not only against the local wildlife, but also against any possible incursion by the forces of the Humanx Commonwealth, which does not look kindly on interference on primitive worlds. While there are some subplots, 
such as Bourne's rivalry with another hunter named Losting, the story that follows is largely to do with Bourne's effort to escort Logan and Kahoma to the facility. The journey takes them far further away from the village than any of Bourne's people have ever travelled. The village is based on a third of seven layers of the jungle, and the epic journey to the base requires Bourne, Losting, Logan and Kahoma to travel through other layers that are deadlier still. A huge strength of Midworld is Foster's ability to create a huge range of brilliantly gruesome and deadly creatures that continually threaten the group. They confront something that looks like a pineapple with 16 legs, the vast silver slith that pursues them all the way down to the surface, and seemingly infinite armies of ant-like predators, the Akadi. There are even floating predators that camouflage to disguise themselves as the sky in order to ensnare their prey. In its extremely hostile jungle environment, and with its menagerie of deadly creatures, Midworld definitely resembles a much earlier and similarly excellent SF book, Death World from 1960, by Harry Harrison. The term Death World, popularised by Harrison's novel, has become a kind of general term for incredibly deadly worlds in SF, and Midworld definitely fits that category. In other ways, Midworld resembles Ursula K. Le Guin's brilliant short novel The Word for World is Forest from 1972. Both feature a verdant planet populated by human-like aliens and being stripped of their resources by a heavily armed human force. But was Midworld an influence on Avatar, as has been claimed? It seems extremely likely that it was, because the similarities are almost too many to list. Bourne's people resemble the Na'vi aliens, except that they're more human-like. Their lifestyle, in which they take nothing away from their world that they do not somehow return, seems to have been a clear inspiration as well. Both Bourne's people and the Na'vi use the term home tree to describe the vast tree in which they have a village. While technically a moon rather than a planet, Avatar's setting of Pandora, or at least its jungle regions, are very similar to Foster's description of Midworld. Perhaps most significantly, both Midworld and Pandora have a kind of natural gestalt supermind in which all organisms are connected, and into which the dead are apparently subsumed. James Cameron wrote his first ever script for what would become Avatar in around 1976, shortly after Midworld was published in 1975. In any case, Midworld is an excellent novel, which proves that Alan Dean Foster was, and remains, far more than just a writer of movie novelizations. While the setting is the most memorable part of the book, Foster also tells an engaging and surprising story that sustains interest right up until the climax. For these reasons, and for its clever extrapolation of ideas and biology into an alien world, Midworld is essential reading for SF fans. Now to close out this episode, here's some extra bonus information about Midworld and Alan Dean Foster. While Midworld has no direct sequels per se, the 1995 novel Midflinks sees Foster's long-running characters Pip and Flinks visit the same planet, and it proves to have a significant role in Flinks' destiny. Additionally, Foster contributed the story Mid-Death to the anthology Forbidden Planets in 2006. Jonathan Wojcik is an artist and writer with an abiding love of strange and deadly creatures of all kinds. Not surprisingly, Midworld was a childhood favourite of his. In 2021, he published an article on his site Bogleach, featuring his original art and various menacing creatures described in the novel. I've written and recorded reviews of both Harry Harrison's Death World and Ursula K. Le Guin's The Word for World is Forest. Both of these books also have strong similarities to Avatar. 
Together with Midworld, it could be said to form a kind of thematic trilogy of sorts. Wikipedia has a lot of interesting information about Foster's novelisation of Star Wars, which was originally titled Star Wars from the Adventures of Luke Skywalker. In 1978, Foster went on to publish the first ever original novel in the Star Wars universe, which was titled Splinter of the Mind's Eye. This was rendered non-canon by the release of The Empire Strikes Back in 1980, and is now considered one of the starting points of the Star Wars expanded universe. The largest share of novels in the Humanx Commonwealth universe is the Pip and Flinks books mentioned previously. Fifteen books were published between 1973 and 2017. Additionally, there have been 11 standalone Commonwealth novels, the three books of the Ice Rigger trilogy, and a trilogy about the founding of the Commonwealth, published between 1999 and 2002. Happily, much of Foster's work, including Midworld, has been republished in ebook form by the UK publisher Galantz as part of their SF Gateway range. You'll just have to put up with the cheap jack stock photo covers. Foster's full bibliography is available on the Internet Speculative Fiction Database, or the ISFDB. Finally, Foster's website is charmingly old-fashioned and contains a lot of information about his work, including the various planets and peoples of the Humanx Commonwealth and beyond. You can find the links to all these external resources on my site, andyjohnson.xyz. Alan Dean Foster is a really interesting figure, and I'm sure I'll be covering more of his work in the future. In the meantime, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to this episode. You can find more of my writing in text and audio form at my site, andyjohnson.xyz. You can also find me on Twitter at andyjohnsonuk, and you can support me at patreon.com slash andyjohnson. Catch you next time.